magic number. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that this is the 30th podcast, and this is sort of an unofficial one-year anniversary for something that we never thought would last this long. <laughs> Welcome to Off-Road, an RLTP podcast with me, Pete Pomisano, for the 30th time. Yes, I know if you work out the mathematics of it, it really shouldn't be 30 podcasts, but there were there were some bonus podcasts in there. So this is really the one-year anniversary, and as a special treat for our one-year anniversary, I'm going to play for you the first interview I ever did. It was sort of a practice interview. I was trying to figure out who I could talk to, who was a friend, who would be kind, who would not make me feel terrible, and who is still a really interesting person. And it was suggested to me that maybe Jay Desiderio might be a good one. So over a year ago, I sat down with Jay Desiderio and had a lovely conversation in one of the back rooms at his restaurant. And it surprised even me how well it turned out. And listening to it back now, okay, it wasn't bad for the first time. So I reached into the archives and I decided to pull this one out for the anniversary. But it's also perfect because it helps us begin our new format, which isn't really that new, but it helps us start off a couple of new features on the podcast. And that is, number one, we're going back to single interviews, single major interviews. But we are also including a special sort of a mystery surprise guest. Not that you have to guess the name, but it's somebody who's unadvertised, somebody who you didn't expect, somebody who you didn't know was going to appear, and this person will be answering just one question, one simple little question. I'm calling it the one question quickie, and I know that sounds a little weird, but I couldn't think of a better name for it at that point. It, it, it's it's going to be a quick interview, so it's a quickie, and it's one question, so it's a one question quickie. It's it's one Two Qs. One, two Q. So that's, okay, that's too clever by half. Also, Jay is the perfect one to talk to this time because his restaurant, Bobby Jay's, over there on Como Park Boulevard, is the first restaurant to be featured in our new segment in which RLTP Ensemble members, every couple of weeks, every podcast, will come on and talk about their favorite takeout restaurants. And the reason why this is important right now is because it's getting cold outside and this COVID thing is not going away. And when it gets cold outside, the restaurants who have been surviving basically by putting people out on their sidewalks and on their parking lots and in their streets to try to make up for lost revenue, they're all going to have to bring everybody back inside. And they're still going to have a limited number of seats available because of the COVID restrictions. So they're all going to go back to relying on takeout to really financially help them out of a hole. So every episode, we're going to have somebody from the RLTP Ensemble come on and talk about their favorite takeout restaurants, their favorite dishes, what they like about them, and try to give those people a little bit of a plug, try to give them some added public relations help, for lack of a better word. Yes, okay, free advertising, but, you know, they need it. 
Well, okay, I've blathered on too long. So let's start with our first new feature, which is the one question quickie. And this episode's surprise mystery guest is none other than the lovely and talented, dearest of old friends, Miss Eileen Dugan. So, uh, Eileen, what is your favorite directing project? I hate to say ever, but what's the one that sticks in your mind the most? This is an easy one. Um, a few years ago, well, now it's, we say a few years, it's, they get longer, don't they? <laughs> um, but when Saul asked me to direct an all-female production of McBee, it was the first all-woman production the park had done, and so it was exciting and daunting and people kept asking what are you going to do with the women and I thought what do you mean what are we it's going to be like a lesbian island or something yeah it's like I said what am I you mean what I'm going to do with the actors so for me it was going back to the play and just saying you know get some strong women somebody also during that time said do you, are there enough women in Buffalo to fill a cast and I just thought I could have done it twice but, you know, we got such powerful people, even in small roles. It was, you know, I still think of some of those performances, and I was so excited. Kate Conigeiser and Katie White and Josie DiVincenzo. I mean, there was just Pam Rose Mangus. I mean, just some kick-ass people. And um, and so the rehearsal process, I just kept, after struggling to say, I have to make some statement with the women, what's the women thing? And I was like, no, what's the actor thing? And so I went back to the play, and I have in my Shakespeare bookcase a little bunch of pamphlets that I got in some antique bookshop decades ago. And it's these really old, tiny typed things about maybe six or seven of the plays, and McBee is one of them. And there was a sentence in there that just drove it. It's, it's a, McBee is the only Shakespeare villain who ponders and regrets and doubts. You know, it, really, there's an empathetic human struggle within him that I thought was really interesting. So that kind of brought something. And I wanted a really traditional feel. I mean, I, I had an amazing team, the, the, the costume designer, and I just, just was so on board with the look and the color scheme. And it was just, it was beautiful. So what we rehearsed, you know, that room above Shays, the old, like, creepy room with the Christmas dolls. The creepy room with the Christmas elves. <laughs> That's what we all know it as, the creepy room with the Christmas elves. Exactly. And so Steve Vaughn was up there with all the women with broadswords. It was like the broads with the broadswords. And he's like, no compromise. We're doing the same choreography I would do if this was a cast of men. And so that was amazing. And Tom McCarr, and I talked about wanting just a soundscape rather than music. And he, you know, Tom, he just takes it into his brain. And <laughs> and so he came back and he had all the women get on microphones and just whisper things like hell and hate and blood and death and put it over these weird clinking, you know, <laughs> that played under things that was just amazing. And then I had the one thing I wanted to do with the women was sort of a last minute Dixon went and said, okay, I have this little idea. Would it be possible if at the beginning of the play all the women were witches. And he said, well, how many extra costumes are we talking about? And I was like, 23? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dixon. He liked the idea so much, and it could really just be rags. I mean, he was any kind of black anything was kind of making these witches. So at the beginning of the play, there were three witches came out, as you'd expect, but it's daylight. How is that scary? And then three more witches, and then three more witches, and then three more. So it was just like an opportunity that so many things came together 
of design and this incredible cast and the camaraderie of that. So I would say that by far, I, I felt really, um, I don't know, just connected to the piece and the cast. And it was the first time it had happened and it was very well received and all that jazz. So that's my fave. So here's one just quick follow-up. Did you press for it? or Was it your idea or was it Saul's idea? And, uh, you're nodding your head. So it was Saul's idea. And when he first asked you, was there a moment of, huh, what? Or was there a, yes, this is what I've been looking for? Both. It, it was a moment of, what and why? And is that like a gimmick? And then it was like, an, it's about time. And because every year, not to say anything about the, the men who work in Shakespeare, but if you can, you know, be a man, um, you can get on at least the sword-carrying part. And there's amazing women with three roles available a summer. So to have the opportunity to showcase so many great women. And I, I get to do it later again with uh, Mary Wives of Windsor, which was another, you know, and I would like to get back and do it again. Because again, it was a really wonderful experience. But for that one, I, I was daunted. Because I, I thought it might seem silly or whatever. And the greatest compliment I got night after night when if I was there was that I forgot about the women. Right. It wasn't about going, ooh, the girls can do it. I mean, it was just watching the play and trying my thing with Shakespeare, and I love directing Shakespeare, I love acting Shakespeare. But it's, it's just the clarity to say, are we telling the story? And I was really proud when people would say, I forgot about the women, and I knew what was going on the whole time. It was, you know. So, yeah, it was, a, it was incredibly rewarding. And you won awards for that show because it was an incredible production, and you did forget that they were women, that you did get so wrapped up in just the story and, and you telling the story. It was great. I, You know what? I, I, when I thought you were going to answer this question, I said, I bet I know which one it is. And it was one of the two of them. It was one <laughs> of the two of them. So listen, Eileen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a lovely night. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. A quick five minutes with Eileen Dugan. You know, maybe that should be the name of the segment. A quick five minutes. No, that doesn't sound good either. I'll keep thinking about it. Up next, Jay Desiderio. So Jay's restaurant, Bobby Jay's, does have terrific takeout. So I'm starting off the entire thing with a plug for Bobby Jay's by having Jay Desiderio on the podcast. And I should tell you that basically... What I did was I called him up recently and I said, Jay, we need to update the interview. And he was happy to do it. Oh, yeah. So I added a little Zoom piece at the end of this. The first part of the interview is all Jay and me talking over a year ago. The second part of the interview is Jay and I over a Zoom interview where we update what's been going on with his restaurant, with his dinner theater since this whole quarantine stuff started. I think you'll be able to tell right away which part is the new stuff and which part is the old stuff because, boy, I sure miss the quality of those microphones when we weren't doing just Zoom when I was doing in-person interviews. Here's Jay Desiderio. So I'm here at Bobby J's in, uh, this would be considered Chictawaga, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Gateway to Depew. Oh, man. <laughs> they have that right on the sign out front? Oh, wow. Well. Gateway to Depew? Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, it seems to me that, uh, as I told you many times before, that this place was just like the perfect location for you guys for... Uh, uh, because it was in the neighborhood of where your parents you know, you're right. started. I almost came full circle. 
Yeah. And you remember our place on William Street. Of course. This location in Chictawaga is only about a mile away from our old location. <laughs> so so you're getting the customers that people used to come to the Como would come to you. Absolutely. People used to go to your, your dad's place. Right on. In case you haven't figured out, this is a Artie Award Career Achievement winner, uh, Jay Desiderio, that I'm talking to right here. And we're just shooting the breeze because this is our first my first attempt to use. I don't even know if this equipment is using is working properly. But it, it, it seems to be, so... I'm proud to be your guinea pig, Peter. <laughs> well, we go back a long way. Oh, so a, many a years. Way. Do you believe it? Well, you know... Holy I, mackerel. When I think of the, just that first coincidence of even... I was doing a Chevy commercial with Margot Davis, and she was d- doing the show with you, Come Blow Your Horn, and he, yeah, she yeah. said, hey, you should come down and audition for Jay. And I had no idea what it was. And I had, <laughs> I had done very little theater at that point, yeah. really. Well, you were teaching full-time, too. I was still time. teaching yeah. full-time. You know when that was, like 80s? Had to be in 85, 86. 85, 86, yeah. 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 And <laughs> showed up and... and uh, Got got the role, and the rest is history. Do you remember when we did Horn, people were allowed to smoke? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my God. I, I often tell through. you about that, that my favorite part of that thing was having a rehearsal on Saturday morning and going in there and looking at whoever the poor cleanup person was who oh was just God. cleaning up cigarette butts, and he was doing it. With a snow shovel, <laughs> he took a snow shovel at one end of the of the of the uh, carpet and just, and the carpet. I thought the carpet was designed that way, but no. If you look closely, it Those was burn all burn marks. It yeah. was all full of burn marks from cigarettes. There's our art and everything, I guess. Oh, God. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was. I really thought it was a design in in the carpet, but you know, our dinner theater patrons didn't realize it, so that was good. No, and, and it was designed. And you know, I don't remember it being a terrible smell in there either. No. Oh, no, no, we were on it. Isn't it funny Listen. how back in the old days you'd go home and you'd think, wouldn't think anything of it. Now if there's one guy smoking in the corner. Oh, my God. You you, 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 you feel it. You, you, you smell it. Oh, you smell it right away. It's ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. we're, we're off on a tangent yeah, well, here, which is fine. Um, but what I would like you to tell everybody how this all started for you. Now, I know it started with your parents. And, and it, the William Street location wasn't the first one, was it? No, my father had a few uh, smaller places mm-hmm. uh, before the one on William Street. In the city or? Yeah, South Buffalo. South Buffalo? Yeah. 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 And then it just kind of uh, progressed into a little bit bigger place, a little bigger place, until we got that quadrant right next to the throughway. Yeah. And that was big enough for, actually wanted to do banquets. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, and then I you, was, went, you went to Fredonia. I went to Fredonia and got my theater degree. <laughs> Always I, a tremendously useful degree to have <laughs> as an undergraduate. But what'd you major in? Theater. Uh, it was sort of like when I majored in English, and they said, well, what do you do with that? But and, they piqued my appetite, so I wanted to do it more, mm-hmm. and I grew to love it. So, okay, I have a theater degree. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. You, you really have to create your own path, make your own way if you want to do theater. Mm-hmm. So my mother and father, rest their soul, when I went to them, and I said, oh, Dad, um, <laughs> Ma, geez, this is a really nice place. I love being here. Yeah. And they said, okay, Jay, yeah, great. Glad. Um, would you mind so much <laughs> if... Would you take mind? these 20 tables out? Mm-hmm. Why? 
well, you, you know, I went to school for theater, and I think we can make <laughs> something happen. They looked at each other, and they said, is it important to you, Jay? Did they have any idea no, they about didn't what any, dinner theater was, no. or, even, or even theater in general? They didn't. They were... They knew nothing about theater, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, they had other interests and things, but uh, theater was not one of them. So uh, they came along with the ride, and they were very supportive to me. And, uh, you know, the, the first show was a, a Peter Schaffer show, a black comedy. Oh, a, a black comedy, right. And right. talk about getting uh, groomed in, as a new director. We had Jay Brian Hayes, John Biscalia, Claudia Catalano, right. Debbie Pappas. And it goes on and was on. Was Brian Latulip in that one too? No, but he was in other shows. Yeah, uh, yeah. Harvey, I remember. That. Oh yeah, no, yeah, but you've, still, in a, you've still got the painting up here. Absolutely, somewhere. Harvey with the with. The, I gave it to him to hang in his restaurant. His restaurant closing. He, he, he's walking in with the picture. That's why I got it on my wall right he said, now. He said, "Here, Nancy won't let this be in the house. You get it the hell out of here." <laughs> But so I'll tell you, it's just great uh, that I had family support, and that's how I was able to do it for all these years. Did, and did, I'm very grateful to that. And not only my family, but my patrons are loyal, Pete. You know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come time and time again, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. So you've had a good audience, and the audience has built up over the years. Take me back to the beginning. It must have taken a while to build up an audience, and especially a faithful audience like you have, because you've been through four different incarnations of this, of this theater, and the restaurant has changed dramatically all, in, through all the years. So it started with your parents' place over on William Street, which they tore down when they decided to build a That's William right. Street yes. entrance to the thruway, and then, and then you had plans for, like a big hotel or something, didn't you? Yes, we did, Pete, and it just didn't work out. You know, there's a lot of um, obstacles that you have to overcome when you want to do a big project. And they had this all these impact studies. Yes. <laughs> they <laughs> the, did. In order to build something really nice, you have to go through environmental impact statements. Yeah. And that's what we did, and we were jumping through the hoops. But, uh, you know... It all costs money. Sure. And unfortunately, we did not have deep pockets. So we thought it best, um, even though uh, all of us brothers were together, we mm-hmm. thought it best that we kind of all do our own thing because we didn't think that the project we wanted to do was going to happen. And that's what we did. So then the Dingen, how did the place over on Dingen Street in, in, the, in, in that area... That, that was the eventually called Impacts. That was the next. That's correct. Incarnation, right? We, knew we had a good thing with the dinner theater. Yeah. And we also had a, a good thing at that time. Live entertainment was big. Oh, it was a big rock club. And there were and there were no casinos at the time. And there was. Um, you can get these wonderful, wonderful bands on the way up or on the way down mm-hmm. at at reasonable prices. So we thought if we mix the dinner theater up with um, almost like a concert venue, we would do that. Now, so was that just a bigger place? Was that just Bobby and you at that point? No, no, that was uh, the four of us. It was still the four of you. Bobby, Jay. Okay. So you went, in there, you went in there, you got this big place. It was a former super, super duper, duper or something? <laughs> uh, yes, it was. <laughs> so it was a former supermarket. It was a gigantic uh, barn of a place. Did you, so you went in there with the intention of making it into a sort of a, a concert venue, but was the theater always part of it, or did that it sort of was. come along afterwards? Because I had a, a little stigma from my other place. I, I, I loved my place. Mm-hmm. But 
the sight lines were not quite there. Yeah. So, geez, I said, the next time I'm going to have a nice high <laughs> stage so I can seat anyone anywhere they can see. You know, unfortunately, everybody can't be front and center. Right. So I want a nice big stage. But it always is in the back of your mind yes. that you wanted to have a stage in this place. Yeah, we had a balance between theater. concerts and the theater. Mm-hmm. So that's how that came about. And it went really well. But, you know, Impacts was such a huge club. And I think the dinner theater aspect of it lost, lost some of its intimacy. Well said. That's exactly what yep. I was going to say. I mean, the stage was high, but boy, was it high. It was, it was like 10 feet in the air, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And, and the huge. acoustics were not quite as good. A little bit echoey, yeah. And, um, I mean, we brought everyone in from B.B. King to Marilyn Manson to Burton Cummings and uh, some some really huge names, and we almost got the reputation for a concert club rather than the theater. It was mobbed. I remember after shows, after after theaters, you know, doing That's a show correct. there, I remember walking through the the bar area and and then of course then the whole place was filled because it was a concert venue in the back and the bar and the place was packed and it, it was it, but it was. but did, didn't the uh, the rock and roll aspect wore thin on you after a while it did it, it, it you know Warren Sevan we had Warren Sevan after a show and yeah. he called uh, he called down oh, could someone clean this dressing room it was right after an actor show <laughs> so, <laughs> all <know>. those actors <laughs> so <laughs> It was fun at the time, yeah. But uh, you're right; it did it did wear a, a little thin. Uh, but we 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 brought in some wonderful shows, and I'm not only talking concerts. I did some a lot of nice theater there. Mm-hmm. But um, we didn't we did not want to renew a lease another seven eight years because we knew it it wasn't going to last that long, and I couldn't really I keep my theater base going. Yes. So again, we decided, hey, maybe we should do other things. And just as that time happens, downtown in the Chippewa district was was getting huge and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be a good idea uh, if we were all doing our own thing. Bob and I uh, went downtown and we opened a place. Yeah. And Vinny, of course, has a, a, another restaurant yes. in Bowmanville. And um, my Michael wanted to do his own thing with, mm-hmm. with produce and everything. And so uh, that's how we I, I hooked up with just my brother, Bob. Mm-hmm. And where did you go downtown? We were on the corner of Pearl and Chippewa. I remember We that. were known as Desenario's Downtown. I, re- I was there. And for a brief time, it was... It was almost like having a dinner theater, but guess what? I didn't have to produce or direct. <laughs> People would come to our place before they went to Shays, before they went to Studio Arena, before they went to Irish Classical. It was the pre- and post-show theater bar. <laughs> it was where you went. That's correct. That's correct. So uh, it was cool. and um, but you did, I was but you able to direct, yeah. but not at that place. Mm-hmm. It didn't have really a spot for a stage of that nature. Yes. If I did it... Again, I wanted to do it the right way, mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite the spot, although I loved being downtown. Yeah. It was great, and I was able to direct a few other shows on other premises. Mm-hmm. But uh, I knew as the time was going on, you know, Chippewa was such a crazy district at the time. Sure. It was lively, but, you know, the older you get, the more mature you get, sometimes that 
that can wear a thin eye. That, that okay. scene, yeah, yeah. It's it's for the young folks, Jay. <laughs> it's, it's not for me. So got this. So then we had an opportunity. A place, uh, an old banquet hall, had closed in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. And Bob and I said, what do you think? Do you want to stay down here? Do you want to? And we both agreed that we wanted to be in Lancaster, which is near Cheektowaga, mm-hmm. you know. So we decided to let the downtown establishment go so we can really get back to our roots with dinner theater and fine dining. Uh, On Broadway, no less. Right. So (laughs) I can say to myself, Jay, you finally made it to Broadway. (laughs) And then I was able to do a lot of theater there, too, as well. So uh, you're, you're right. We went through a lot of stages. Now, but the question I have, and of course, now that now we're here on uh, Como Park Boulevard here, only a mile from the from, from where it all began, and it's almost like I came full circle. It's amazing. So, how do you suppose, since you've gone through these four incarnations and in completely different venues, you mean it went from William Street and, and then Impacts and then downtown and then out to Lancaster and then back here in Chictawaga. Mm-hmm. The gateway to Depew, um, and, and and now you're here. How have you managed to get your audience to build and follow you through these four iterations or five, really? Although the downtown one was not, uh, it was not a theater as such. But you know, you talked about how your audiences are very, very. Uh, they follow you everywhere. They're very loyal. How did that happen? It, it, it couldn't have happened right off the bat. I mean, when you opened on William Street in your dad's place. Was it slow going at the beginning? You know, it was a little slow, but... Um, and there were a lot of other dinner theaters going on at that time, I too. I think the key to success, of course, in this business, you're only as good as your next show. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> but whatever you do, I mean, I think you have to do it well, whether it's a great piece of literature or so-so piece. But as long as you're committed to doing the show the best it can be, I think audiences realize that. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be their type of show. Right. But if it's done well, they'll always give you a chance. Because you began and all this before there, there was email. Do you know what correct. I mean? You weren't sending out email blasts to anybody back in the old no, days. No, they did How not. How did people find you? How did they know to keep coming back? I mean, consistency, obviously. Consistency, and we've said this before, number one, the food's always great. But consistency that they know what to expect from you. As you said, it may not even always be their cup of tea. That's but right. They, but they enjoy the, the production, they, the whole entertainment value of it, and they come back. That's right. And uh, how, do you, how do you stay at, at such a high level? How? I bring in some of the best people in the area. And they have that philosophy along with me. Whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it well. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not crazy about the piece. Yeah. You can always find good things and everything. So we accentuate the positive, and I think that translates into the audience. And that's how I think I've been doing this for so long. Okay. So you you becoming sort of a restaurateur, was that part of, or was that because you were around the restaurant so often? Was, was that also a love of yours? or did, did Are you a restaurateur because of the theater? Or are you in theater because you got a spot to do I it? I suspect uh, I always wanted a place of my own. Mm-hmm. 
whether I did theater or not. Yeah. But um, once I started the dinner theater, it became part of me. And uh, they just blended as, and I grew with my brother as a restaurateur. Bobby, but of course. I also grew in the theater. So they went hand in hand, and it was a, a love of both, actually. Because yeah. you got to be on your game. When, when people come into the theater, you know, it's not like a regular theater. They come in, you have to get them right in a good mood and right when they walk into the door. And that starts with the dinner itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we get it off to a wrong if we get them off to a bad start, yeah. <laughs> the, the poor actors have to work twice as hard to get well, them. Well, if, if you didn't have a great chef in the kitchen, you're already That's, behind the eight ball. You're right. So, yeah. I mean, it's a whole night of theater. Yeah. And, uh, theater. It's a whole night of entertainment. and, and it, Well, because it starts well. It always starts with the dinner and drinks and so on. Absolutely. But then, but then it's followed up by you coming out and doing your little spiel at the beginning of the, yeah, of the play. Yeah, tell, tell them why I did. But it's nice to be, people get to know you and they get to expect you and you show up and say hello and everybody uh, applause. Uh, they Jay. seem genuinely interested why I pick out certain shows and that. Yeah. And, uh, they they seem really oh that's why you did it yeah that makes sense so do you always as part of your spiel is it always um, here's why I picked this play yeah, yeah. I, I do I like that I like to tell people why I'm doing a certain thing and that and they seem genuinely interested mm-hmm. you know I always said the hardest part about directing is knowing what you want I see <laughs> and knowing what you want starts with choosing the play yes yes you know what I'm saying yep. Pete and uh, so. That's why I like to talk to people. I like to tell them what, what's in my mind, what I'm thinking about doing next. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they have suggestions. So I do listen to my patrons and, you know, I like to please them. Yes. Do you send out, and I noticed on the way in that there's an email box there where people can, you know, put in their, I assume just email addresses. It's Absolute. not a suggestion box as such, but then you send out a, a, you know, a blanket email to everybody. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to be visible with my patrons. So they talk to me. Yeah. No, hey, I, I they, we want to do this. We want a comedy, you know, so. Well, it's like everything else here, which is that you, you're, you're treated like family and, and the, the, and for years, and this is what I wanted to ask you about. I remember years ago, you and I talking about, you know, how do you get more, People from the city, the actors from the city. How do you get more of the so-called pros uh, to come out here and and be part of your dinner theater? And it was a struggle for a long time to gain some sort of respectability and and notoriety where they'd say, you know, oh oh yeah, I'd, I'd like to work there yeah. because let's face it, dinner theater always has that sort of a stigma to it. I think we're slowly changing that stigma of dinner theater. Oh yeah, I think because you when have you think about it, Pete, a lot of times when people go to Shays or a downtown theater, a lot of times they go out to dinner ahead of time. It's just in a different building. <laughs> well, that's true. You know? Yeah. But how do you imagine you've been able to overcome this stigma of it's just dinner theater? Because now you're well-respected, not that you weren't before, but I mean, you're well respected. You, you just got an arty for career achievement, which is no, you know, nothing to sneeze yes, at. Great company, a, great company, yeah. and and you get reviewed in the Buffalo News and other other online venues as well, and other newspaper venues. All of a sudden, I shouldn't even say all of a sudden. It's taken some time. How do you suppose you achieved that? <laughs> That's a great question. I think it goes back to staying focused. Believe in what you're doing. I, you know, I don't have the philosophy. Oh, I just got to get a, a, a show up. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes like like I like we spoke in, uh, 
we, we talked about it earlier that, you know, the hardest part about doing this is knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. So I take a lot of time in thinking what I want to do. And that goes right down from the choice of the play. It goes right down to, on the other side of the spectrum, the choice of the menu and, uh, and putting them together. And you stay focused on all aspects of what you're doing and just try to do the best you can. And I think that's how uh, I was able to build up a decent reputation. Yeah. And so there's something to be said for the longevity of, of having done it for so many years. Oh, it is. I and just, other yeah. dinner theaters have come and gone, and this one uh, stayed true to itself and has made an impact, no pun intended, <laughs> an impact on the local theater community as well. And, and now there are all sorts of actors. I remember trying to get people to come out here, or it, when it was out in Lancaster, it was more difficult, of course. Yes. But, you know, I would always say, you know, you, you got to go there, you got to try it, you got to audition for Jay and things like that. Peter, we're always a great support. Well, and I, that helps out, too, having other people, as yourself, well-respected in the field, mm-hmm. saying good things about what we do here. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's like a domino effect. Hey, you were there. Hey, how did it work out? And so you get better people to work with you. But that goes right for audiences, too. Hey, I was there. I had a great time. It was a great show. Check it out. So that is the most credible advertisement I could possibly ask for. So through all of this. In the business and outside the business. You've managed to change or, or eliminate that stigma. Dinner theater is, is not oh, just in quotes anymore. It's, yes. it's actually, you know, a legitimate form of of theater in Buffalo. Oh, absolutely. You know, dinner theater is just not Neil Simon. I mm-hmm. do all sorts of things, and I think that helped me get away from that, oh, the dinner theater uh, stigma. Mm-hmm. And uh, just keep at it, stay laser-focused on what you're doing and doing it well, and I think that all helped me overcome that obstacle or stigma of just dinner theater. Right. You change the way people look at it. Yes, yes. And then, like you said, it didn't you know, just happen overnight. It, you just stay focused on what you want to do. And that goes for any uh, young person in business or young actor. Mm-hmm. Know what you want. Stay focused. Keep plugging away. don't give up. <laughs> I see. When you have a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's why I feel here. Mm-hmm. That's why I love to do it. And yeah. I, think it, I think it bleeds on to the, uh, to the patrons that come. Mm-hmm. They know what we're doing here, and uh, they feel a part of it. Now, okay, which brings up another question. You yeah. have a very odd stage configuration compared to most theaters. It's very broad, and it's very... Shallow. It is shallow, yeah. And yeah, and yeah. so you've got challenges as a director, or any other director who comes in, of course. Absolutely. But you know how to use this stage the way other directors might not if they were coming from another another venue. That's true. Because it's a, it's a completely different sort of yeah. of stage, and and the blocking is completely different. Yeah. Because so is that one of the big challenges when you're. It, when you're directing a play here, is it the is it the the it is the width you, of the stage? Yeah, I in my particular stage, yeah, I like to keep my blocking high, mm-hmm. as opposed to a lot of sitting down and stationary movement. Yes. I like to keep them moving because I want to use one side of the stage, the other side of the stage, house right, house left, that people can see 
different uh, different profiles of the actors. I, you know, I keep them moving. Yeah. But and but you have to be ready uh, for rehearsal. You got to be prepared. You know, an actor just can't move with no motivation whatsoever. <laughs> and I know what you're laughing at. You know, but you you make it happen. Why don't you tell the nice people out there? <laughs> I'm well, sorry well, about that too. By the no, way, no, don't, no, no. This is this is something people have to get used to if they if they work uh, for Jay Desiderio. And and unlike some directors, and and don't get me wrong, because I appreciate what you do, and I do the same thing when I'm directing. And you were great too. You, when you, I gave you that. well, you came up with you come up with blocking where you will literally say to the actor, the people down left haven't seen you in a while. So I need you to figure out a reason and a motivation. And on your next line, I want you to cross down left or, or down right or whatever. And then you look at the next line and it's like a two word line. And you think to yourself, well, how the hell am I going to get down there in these two words, which is why not or something like that. But the next thing, you know, it, it but it's part of the creativity. of It, it. is, isn't it great? It, it is because we have fun. Sometimes you go, all right, I'm the next word. I want you to turn one quarter, turn left. I want you to turn your head to the right. <laughs> no. I want you to smile. Folks, then, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that it's always true. Right, right. But you have to be able to at least try it. Yeah, try it. And if it doesn't work, it remember, doesn't work. I remember a director I had one time, Frank Moltz. And he was this old curmudgeonly guy out in Hamburg Little Theater. And I remember a, uh, an actor saying, well, it, it just doesn't feel right when I do this. It doesn't feel right. And Frank would look him dead in the eye and say, do it a hundred times. It'll feel right. <laughs> okay, thanks, Frank. Thanks for the motivation. Thanks for the clarification. You have to know when to say when. Yeah, it's too much. Give them, give them time to create if they if they really uncomfortable with this move mm-hmm. well try something else hmm. and i'm always adaptable to that hmm. and uh, i think you probably are too when you're directing i remember you directed um a few good men it, you almost had, you, you told me it was like a roadmap. it was i had the whole thing and well, it was incredible to. though it was like 20 scenes or 40 scenes or something like that and on 10 different locations on this set that we had designed for the multitude of uses. Right. And, uh, yeah. You had to be ready for those rehearsals. Well, it had to be choreographed. Be, yes. Even between the scenes. Yes. Choreographed. And when you right. leave, take that chair with you. And when you do, it's just, the more you work with certain people, I guess, like Dave Marciniak, I worked with him a lot. Oh. And he goes, don't worry, I speak J language. I know what you want. <laughs> I speak and J. I, love, I speak did, J. So. Did, did, did Dave start doing, was he the first, was he discovered by you? Because now he started, yeah. Now he's so yes, in, in demand. Absolutely, I mean, huge lead last when year we were in Shakespeare on, uh, in the Park, and, Broadway, and Bowen. Yeah, he did his first show with and, me. And where did he come from? Or how did you even know him? He just came in an audition. Well, one you, day? you know, when I do a show, yeah, I I like to treat St. Luke's Mission mm-hmm. to a show. Yeah. When are they ever going to have a nice dinner and see a show? So I do that. Sure. Well, Dave happened to be a missionary, and used to bring uh, bring them in, mm-hmm. and. Uh, as it progressed, show after show, I got to know him. And, and he said to me, Jay, I might want to audition. I said, well, <laughs> come on down. We want some new blood. And he did. And uh, I think he's been working ever since. Oh, he's been, he has grown so yeah. much, too. I yeah. mean, even when we did Nuts out in, on Broadway, oh, that was that's the first right. time you, I ever met him. Yeah, you guys were great together. And, and, what a great chemistry. Yeah, it was a, it Between was a good, you, Lisa Ludwig, Lisa Ludwig. Yeah. Yep. And Lisa Hinka, of course. And you know, that show could have still been running. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, oh, I know. About it. What, what's the best thing about your role here at the restaurant? 
What do you like the best about your role as a restaurateur? Is it the meeting of people? Is it, is it the friendly people that you meet? Is it the oh fact that God. people... The multitude of people you meet yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah. You know, you meet people from all walks of life. Because you're here all the time, except I know like Wednesday nights, but you're here all the time. Like I told you, get a job you love mm-hmm. and you'll never work a day in your life. And that's what I feel when I walk into this place. So what's the worst part? Well... My mother always said, every ship needs a captain. Oh, boy. And sometimes you have to be a captain. Yeah. And um, so sometimes the responsibility can get to you. I mean, you know, just like millions of other people, you have to pay your bills. Well, there's that. You know, and there's there's some stress in that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when you do that and, and, and you bring some great productions on and, and you get a, a nice response from people, it makes it all worthwhile. And I'm not just talking about a, a fine production. When a table comes in for dinner and they come up to you and say, thank you, we loved it, we'll be back. I find uh, satisfaction in that. And that's mm-hmm. uh, giving. And I really believe it's in giving we receive. And that's what I like. Well, that's amazing. It really is. You might as well you might as well talk about Bobby a little bit because he's your partner. He's your my chef. Right hand man. He does it. He helps with the, with the. He builds the sets sometimes, or paints, or whatever. I mean, I don't even know yeah. all the things that he Jay. Does here. I'll, I'll be right there on the stage when we're painting. I got to take this panel lasagna out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bob. But now, uh, now he's becoming a critic. Oh, oh my God. Well, you know, that's always been true. Jay, you're not doing that play. Oh, <laughs> God. Now he likes these intense shows. He, oh, I see. I go, Pop, what's wrong with a, a nice comedy farce once in a while? No. Did, did, so but, I got But you're strictly, I mean, you strictly are the the one who chooses the plays. And yes. The, uh, yes. Bobby throws his, his yeah. suggestions yes, in now does. and then when he's not baking lasagna yeah. or... Or making meatballs or something. And like I said, I try to choose a play that I think my audience was like. And sometimes the audience, you know, though we really liked it, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we did it. Oh, I've been in plenty of shows like that. <laughs> you know, and they're honest with me, but they still come and see it. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm introducing people to different um, different types of plays. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is very satisfying to me and a lot of times there'll be people in the lounge that really never thought about going to a play before because they see people constantly coming to the shows here they try it so in, that's a great part about it introducing new people who've never been to the theater hmm. experiencing it and then they start coming I again had even, I had and again that. and that's very satisfying to me i bet it is it really is mm-hmm you know, and uh, when they come up to you, I've never been to a play before, but I, I loved it. When's the next one? Mm. Come on, we got another theater goer for life, and I think it's beautiful. And do we not raise the quality of our life by introducing these uh, people that may have not, not that they didn't have the chance, but never considered going never, to Never the show. thought of it before, yeah. And never uh, considered going to the right. theater. So they're coming in the back door and come to, for dinner, and what's going on in that room? Absolutely. And the, so you go, oh, well, that's where they're doing so, the theater. They look up on the stage, they can see the yeah, yeah, yeah. thing is, and <laughs> they can correct. see people enjoying dinner. And so 
I, it never occurred to me, but it, and especially in this location, because it, the back door where the huge parking lot is opens up right onto the stage, and that opens up onto. But when you walk right. in there, the first thing you see is the is the double doors leading to the theater room, and that ends up being an enticement to some degree. Right, and they all they you know when they see the sign, um, your silence is appreciated. <laughs> the cast, right, right? They'll say, oh, sorry. And they're very respectful to that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? It is. You know? And uh, so I, that's another part about this business that I love. Yeah. As a, as a parting word, tell everybody where you are, the address, the location, a phone number, email address, whatever you have. We, I, might, we might as well. I really appreciate bit. you letting me do that. Well, we're Desiderio's Dinner Theater at Bobby J's. Bobby J's. Or Bobby J's at Desiderio's Dinner Theater. Where you could just come and have food. Right. It's just and great. that's why I named it Bobby J's, because I didn't want everyone to think I, we just do plays. <laughs> that's yeah. right. And we're centrally located. We're close to the throughway entrances. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're at 20... Uh, I was going to say our old address. Oh, we're at, well, um, you've had five locations, basically. Yeah. Uh, what are we at? 204? I think it's yeah. 204 Como Park Boulevard. Como Park Boulevard, near Union. Okay. And uh, plenty of parking. Phone and, number. Uh, phone number. We're at, uh, our number is 395-3207. And I would love to hear from anybody. Now, is that, is, that a number, is that a number to call for theater reservations? Call for or, reservations. Or for anything. Call for takeout orders. To, really? Uh, for info reservations. One number does it all. It does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jay. This was fun for me. Peter, I, I really appreciate this. I hope I can Great. use any of this because I don't even know if any of this has come out on the recording. Well, I thought to myself halfway through, I thought, geez, I should have stopped to make sure that this was being, <laughs> that this was recording. Okay. And if it isn't, we're really screwed because I can't take another hour of your time. I'm here. happy to be your guinea pig anytime because I think you're... You're, you're a wonderful talent, and you're a great friend. Well, thank, thank you, you, Jay. I feel the same way about you, right and back at you. I'll see you again soon, I'm sure. Right on, Pete. Thank you. Okay, so that was lovely in itself, but now here's the edition that we recorded just last week to focus on what's been going on at the restaurant since COVID and to focus a little bit more on takeout because that's going to be our new feature here on Off-Road. What has the uh, closing of the theater meant to you personally? Well, you know, um, our business, it's multi-pronged. We have the dinner theater. We have banquets. We have the restaurant. And uh, when you lose any one of them, it's, it's pretty tough financially. And we've always had takeout, but it was a smaller part of the multi-pronged business. Mm-hmm. Now, when you lose the dinner theater, and I lose many banquets because of the situation we're all in, you have to overcompensate with other areas. So during the summer, during this crazy thing, I, I actually put tables out in the parking lot. No, I was there for the tables oh, in the you parking were. lot. But, <laughs> but that was, that was frankly, that was, you know, over the summer, you had all of March April, May, absolutely, because we we were still having snow in May, and and then all of a sudden it you know it turned to, it went from snow to eighty degrees, and, and they didn't allow you to open inside, but right. you could open outside. So what you do when you want to survive and stay above water, you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So we would put tables right out in the parking lot, yeah, and uh, the law allowed you to do that, so we did it. 
Uh, because I don't really have a patio facility, as I said, we quartered off some of the parking lot and we put tables right there and it seemed to work. Yeah. But as the weather progressed and you could no longer do that, we really had just the inside restaurant. So in addition to the restaurant, we had to compensate with our takeout and takeout became a very important part. Many of the people that would come for dinner inside and out are, were still a little squeamish about going into enclosed places. Yeah. So they would get takeout. I'm one of those people. Right. Because I remember, but, but you went to a great, you went to great, took great measures. Plus your place is so big. I feel comfortable when I get there because the tables are widely separated. Why don't you talk a little bit about what, what you've done to keep the, (laughs) to keep the, the COVID away. Uh, I know you had to do a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. Well, the law states you have to keep tables and, and social distancing about six feet apart. And when that's not possible, you, we put up dividers. Mm-hmm. And we can still, and actually we still kept tables apart, but we we divided each table almost like a private cubicle. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the, the dividers are decorative. And um, so it's not as if they're, you know, quor- in quarantine while they die. Did you have it, to do something with the ventilation? to the um, decor of the restaurant. And uh, people seem very pleased with it. Fortunately, people are responding well what we're doing. Yeah. And still, people are a little squeamish about going inside a restaurant. Some are and some out. And I respect either way. Right. And that's why we springboard into compensating with our takeout so they can still have a little bit of uh, Jay and Bob Desiderio's food <laughs> without actually being under the roof. But both are coming along fine because of the loss of the, of course, the dinner theater. Sure. And ironically, this is just as you started me off on the podcast, almost it was almost a year ago. I don't remember exactly when, but yeah. the first podcast was November or something or other. But uh, you're also starting me off on a new direction for the podcast because we're going to be featuring little things about takeout. And, I think that's uh, great. Trying to help restaurants and trying to help. So you're the first restaurant we're going to talk about. And I was one of the ones who, you know, drove to your place to get takeout uh, yes, several times. And tell me how the takeout business has changed the way things operate in there or or how it how it helped you when you couldn't even open the doors at all you 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 couldn't have anybody for a while it indeed was a lifesaver yeah first of all psychologically it made me think that hey great people didn't forget about me you know out of sight (laughs) out of mind yeah they would call and they understood that they couldn't be there underneath the roof to enjoy a dining experience but they still wanted to support me and mm-hmm. they knew our food was top notch. So they called for takeout and uh, it's been a lifesaver, Pete. I got to tell you, let's say our dining room's half full. The takeout would compensate mm-hmm. that major financial loss. And in this day and age, during this crazy time we're living in, it's almost like survival. Mm-hmm. And we're surviving. We're still above water. Thanks to the nice people that are coming for takeout as well as coming to the dining room. So I think we uh, satisfy them either way. And one thing I want to say about the takeout is that unlike some places, your, your takeout is the full menu, right? 
Absolutely, and that's really important. And it's and everything looks exactly as it would. My my two favorite dishes, of course, pasta Tommy and chicken Geraldo. Oh, um, yeah. Or pasta Caro or pasta John. I, I mean, I, all of these things. <laughs> yes, but, you do. But you open it up, and it looks just like it did on the plate when I was sitting there. Or even more impressive, the the stuffed hot peppers. <laughs> They're just. <sighs> always my favorite and you open up the little container and there it is just as it's not somehow abbreviated or shortcutted no. or anything like that it looks just like it would look if you were sitting in the restaurant you know and we got the award for buffalo's best stuff hot peppers isn't that great that is great that yeah is great. uh now this this is a cool thing i i mean to someone not in the business I, they may or may not care but just before this happened Bob and I were saying, geez, we want to do something with our takeout. We knew it wasn't what it all could be. And this was before COVID. Mm -hmm. So when you present food to take out, containers that it come in are, are really important. When you transport food, you don't want it leaking in the car or leaking in yep. the bag. So we actually got wonderful takeout containers. You know, they're almost Tupperware. I've, I've seen them. And that is important. And we were a step ahead of the game there for, for some huncher, for something that we didn't realize that was the best thing that happened to us, the right container for the right entree. And Isn't that's that what you were saying. It's just like having it inside. There's sort of a black plastic. Is it, am I right? Am I sick? Yeah, and it's, it's, got it's a, 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 like, a, like a Tupperware and it, yeah. and it's snapshot. Yes. And that is really important. Like you did extra virgin olive oil and garlic and those stuffed hot peppers. Yeah. The styrofoam clamshells yeah. leak and all then, over the place. You know, we save them for, you know, doggy bags and when people can't finish their entree and there's not as much in there. Mm -hmm. But when you have a full dinner to go, the container, the bread, it's just as important as the food itself. Let me ask you another quick question yeah. about takeout. When I was there, I came in to get it. If if somebody's squeamish enough that they don't even want to come in the door, oh yeah, you you, you deliver it to the car. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely, curbside service. Yes, yeah, just definitely. call when and, you get it, there. It happens. Yeah, you know, like half of the people. Hey, can you bring it out? Mm -hmm. Or when it's uh, they'll just they call it. Hey, we're out in the parking lot and we run it out to them. That's great. That's great. You know, and then they can pay with their credit card over the phone, or we'll take their credit card to their car, run it in, and then run it back out. Now, also, Pete, and this is, you know, this is for other restaurants, too. You can order your food right online without calling. Oh, you can. Yes. I didn't even know that because yes, I always call you. <laughs> so, um, you know, we want to make ourselves accessible. When people don't really have access to a phone, but they're on a computer, they can order full menu right online. And uh, all the things are prompted on what to do. There's just a takeout and, button. You push that and yes. then you order. Oh, that's crazy. Now, I didn't even know that myself. Important. Yeah, very well, important. Yeah. We want to be customer friendly. That's it. Patrons, we we need them and hopefully they need us. And, you know, we'll, we'll get through this time together. Jay, give me your emotional uh, reaction to being without theater all these months. What it means to you not to have to have that back room dark and not to be able to do not financially, but you just you personally. No, there, there's a void in your spirit. You know, when when you can get people together to see a work of art that you created. Some people think it's great. Some people think it's okay. But it doesn't <laughs> matter. It's it's creation. It's a part of you. Yeah. You know, so emotionally, it, it's tough. 
But in the meantime, you have things you want to do when you get back. So that keeps you going. You got some ideas percolating. and Yes, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll probably start out with a, with smaller casts, maybe a lighter show. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. After this crazy time. But you're right. Emotionally, it's just, it's so sad, you know. And then I see in New York City, some of those theater closets, it's even though it's a part of us. Yeah, because it's what we do. One thing about your theater, I mean, and I'm sure you've thought of this, you you might have to put the audience farther back, but then you lose the intimacy because you have plenty of space there. You can open up. We do. And uh, you could put the audience 20 feet away, but uh, I'm sure you don't really want to do that. I'm not sure. I'll just feel when the time is right, I'll know. Mm -hmm. But before I do anything, I'm definitely checking with the powers that be. Sure. Because I'm not sure if I fall under the guidelines of food and beverage or actual theater. No, mm. I think my place is big enough to keep my tables apart and still have a decent house. Hmm. But I'll know when the time is right. Before I do anything, I want to make sure it's safe for you and me and all of us. You know, when you're when you're down, you, you think of other ways, and that's what we're doing. We're above water thanks to Thanks to our patrons. Yeah, you know? your patrons. And thank you for this, for and the opportunity to let people know it's, you know, every everything helps. And uh, advertisement and the word is really important. So I thank you for that, Peter. Uh, you're, you're quite welcome. And you know, I'll, I'll be back there soon. Peace. Bye-bye, Jake. Bye-bye. No, no, I don't know what's going on in the... Politics? No, I don't know anything about it. I've been too focused on my first anniversary, my 30th episode. So I think that's a great kickoff for our new format here on Off-Road. The plan is to have one major interview each episode, and we're also going to have a mystery guest with a single question, and we're also going to have a little short segment featuring an RLTP ensemble member to tell us about his favorite takeout and to give a little plug to the restaurants that we all know could use a boost during these COVID times. And I want to emphasize again that if you are financially stable and you can afford it, the Buffalo theaters and restaurants and bars are all suffering terribly because of the pandemic and if you can help out that would be great i've told you before and i'll tell you again i personally am trying to support every online sort of video online virtual theater or concert that you can get i know musical fair is doing it i have enjoyed a couple of theirs i've been enjoying tremendously the buffalo philharmonic online i've been enjoying mary kate o'connell's and the alleyways and of course the Kavanoki has had some lovely pieces with Lorraine O'Donnell and some friends. And I have been involved and are currently featured in a JRT production called Bar Mitzvah Boy. Go to jewishrepertorytheater.com if you want to get a ticket for that. It's a beautiful play. And also, don't forget, Road Less Traveled Productions is in the middle of their Buffalo Rises 2.0 radio play festival. These are radio plays written especially for the Buffalo Rises Play Festival. They are 10-minute short plays. You can get them all for a very reasonable price, and I would strongly recommend them because they're a lot of fun and a real throwback to the good old days of radio theater. And that's it for this episode of RLTP's Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano. I have to go because I'm looking at the TV and while I'm recording this and... Oh, there's some interesting news coming on. I'll, 
I'll, I'll join you again in a couple of weeks. But for now, I gotta go see what's happening.